And welcome back to the Heart God Media Podcast. It has been a minute, and we are two days late posting this as we, and when I say we, I mean the, um, I guess not the royal we, but we as in myself, uh, podcast uh, host or lack thereof, uh, as of late. Two days late posting this. We're going to drop it on Black Friday, obviously. As you do with the holidays, you get caught up with uh, stupid... uh, tedious bullshit and uh it's hard to find time and uh we are back after our mid-season break of season three of the heart god media podcast and uh today we have a few topics that we're going to discuss uh just to try to catch up on uh everything that we've kind of missed um not today but at a later date i would love to discuss terminator dark fate no uh that franchise since the launch of the third film rise of the machines back in the early 2000s you know that franchise has become very uh, polarizing uh mainly due to the fact that the first two films are so iconic and it's it's become a, a franchise that i think people wish would they would stop making them me myself I I've love I've love every one of them. Um, obviously, the first two significantly more than the rest of them um, for obvious reasons. Terminator Two is the greatest movie ever made, probably. Um, but yeah, we're gonna discuss that. We still have to do our Aliens Part Two, uh, our, our Alien franchise Part Two, and cover uh, you know Alien Three, Alien Resurrection. Uh, the Alien versus Predators, Alien uh, Prometheus, Alien Covenant. We have so much to cover on those ones, but uh, from to to catch you to catch ourselves up uh, from what we've uh, missed, kind of. Um, obviously, Sid Haig has passed away. Um, I think I'd already discussed this, uh, but we didn't do it like a proper tribute episode or anything like that. But I'm going to give you my thoughts on Three from Hell today. Uh, that getting released in September a few, I think like a week or so, or maybe not even a week uh, after uh, it came out, Sid had passed away, Sid Haig, uh, legendary actor. Um, but yeah, I want to talk, I want to talk about some artwork today from a company that's an offshoot of Scream, of Shout Factory called Scream Factory. Uh, anybody listening to this, you, you more than likely know what Scream Factory is. Uh, limited uh, re-releases of uh, horror and genre film on Blu-ray. Uh, they always have new art. They always put a lot of effort into getting all these cool special features. Uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, a movie that they're going to be releasing um, that I think the artwork is very uh, questionable. And I just want to bring it up because that's what we do here. I mean, it's my podcast, I can do what I want, and I kind of want to talk about uh, the shortcomings of that artwork. Not shitting on Scream Factory, my opinion, everyone's got them, just like assholes, I'm another idiot talking head, and you know, the 40, 50 people that listen to this podcast, yes, you you have to hear it. So, uh, also Rick Baker, legendary special effects artist, uh, put out a very all-encompassing career book. Uh, called Metamorphosis, Part 1 and 2. Huge, huge, thick book, and he's been doing a little bit of media and press for that. Uh, I kind of want to talk about that, a little bit about Rick Baker. 
And then on the music side of things, uh, we'll get to that, actually. We'll start covering what uh, what we, we've already just talked about. So, Three from Hell, Rob Zombie's third in the House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, uh, Stories. And, uh, you know, I remember when I saw House of a Thousand Corpses was such an awesome uh, they played it it was in limited theaters and there was this tiny tiny theater uh, the town over from where i lived that was playing it for one night and it was like a tuesday night i went with like two friends because we had heard about it we were all rob zombie fans uh one of us more so than the other uh our friend matt and he was um and Funny enough, I think like a year, maybe not a year, but months before, we found a House of a Thousand Corpses shirt at a Salvation Army in Syracuse um, before the movie had got any kind of release. Um, because the movie was shot in 2000 and initially it was going to be through Universal, and Universal pulled the plug and there were some financial issues, um, and then Lionsgate ended up taking over. Uh, so the movie... Most of it was filmed, I think, in 2000 or 2001. Uh, but th- there was a House of a Thousand Corpses, Corpses movie shirt at a Salvation Army already. Uh, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know why. Uh, but we, uh, a friend of mine found it. What a fucking find. Uh, if he, I don't really have uh, much contact with him. But if I do uh, run into him, uh, I definitely have to ask him if he, uh, if he still has that. Because what a collector's piece that is. But... They played on like a Tuesday night in April 2003, and we and we went and we saw, it and you know, we're off to the races. Rob Zombie was in his filmmaking uh, endeavor, and that movie was so great. And I remember it coming out um, that August on DVD because Blu-ray was not a thing in 2003. And uh, I remember going Walmart wouldn't carry it. I'm not sure if they they just didn't get distribution for it or. They just didn't have it. I'm not sure, but I ended up going to Blockbuster and finding it. I still have that copy today. I have not upgraded to the Blu-ray um, because I kind of sentimental. It was cool. I remember exactly going to get that uh, at Blockbuster, going out that day to pick it up. And I I, I wore that DVD out. Um, I mean, it still works, but I, I it was cool. The interactive menus were funny with Sid Haig and... Uh, it was uh, a, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, some audition tapes with, like, Dennis Fimple as Grandpa Hugo, like, and there was just so, uh, it was very, very entertaining and kept me entertained for a, a good while, um, and then I remember uh, summer 2005 when Devil's Rejects came out. Now, when Devil's Rejects came out, uh, you know, it was a summer night in July, I was still in high school, you know, it's 2005, tail end of high school, and... And uh, summer, July, I believe, um, 2005, uh, me and some friends, we went out to, yeah, we we were in summer school at the time, too, um, packed house, sold out, midnight showing of this, uh, back when they had midnight showings. Now, thankfully, they had to do the the night before showings at like 6 and 7 o'clock, which is cool, but midnight showing. Uh, packed house blew my socks off. 
I was, and I still think uh, of the last 15 years, it's probably, it's probably the best original horror movie that's come out. I can't think of one off the top of my head, uh, aside from trick or treat. Um, that is better. It is just so brutal and entertaining. It keeps you hooked. It doesn't drag. And, and not that I thought house of the thousand corpses dragged at all, but, uh, devil's rejects was just another level. He had, you know, he had been run, ran the gamut of getting a film made and, and ran into all the problems that he did with house of a thousand corpses that now, you know, he had, he had proven that he could, he could get the job done and with an amazing cast, you know, you talk Jeffrey Lewis, uh, you know, Brian Posehn, uh, William Forsyth, who I think is one of the most underrated actors of all time. He was in a movie that I is very near and dear to my heart called Stone Cold, which is an over the top action movie from 1991 starring Lance Hendrickson and Brian Bosworth, uh, former, uh, OU football player, former Seattle Seahawk, uh, later, you know, failed football player, professional football player diving into, uh, movie making and, uh, yeah, th- that movie's near and dear to me, and I would love to talk about that one day, but today's uh, unfortunately not going to be the day for that. But uh, William Forsyth uh, playing uh, the brother to the original uh, Sheriff Wydell. Um, and uh, it just amazing acting. He got literally probably, you know, Priscilla Barnes, like just the, the best, some of the best, uh, you know, Ken, Ken Foray in there, uh, just some of the best actors of all time, honestly, people that will be remembered long after they're gone, long after I'm gone, this art's going to live on, and these actors and actresses that were in these films are going to live on, and, uh, but yeah, Devil's Rejects was just so fucking cool, and I remember when that came out on DVD, uh, getting the, the 30 Days of Hell, it showed the entire, you know, production and pre-production and, and all that. It was so, that's what I want. That's what, you know, I wanted to see. And I think Rob Zombie knew fans wanted to see how these things were made and all the ins and the outs. And he, he's, you know, subsequently, uh, done that with a lot of his releases. I know with 31 that came out, he had an entire fucking thing for that, uh, for his Halloween film. There was a three-disc Ultimate Edition that came out. I have that. That uh, is, you know, dives into everything about the making of Halloween from, you know, pre-production, in in production, post-production. It just, uh, it was so, like, it was such an inside look into getting a film made more so than we have with, like, you know, the three-minute HBO shorts and these like little tiny things we saw like a full the full scale of what it entailed to make a film and i think rob zombie uh more so you know being a, a fan of film uh before he made them and you know wanting to get into it i'm not sure what his motivations were exactly for wanting to detail all that and capture it all um it may have just been just simply for more content, but it, what amazing content it ended up being. But, uh, and devil's rejects ended so epically that I don't think anybody ever wanted to, uh, you know, part of me, I was just, part of me wanted to see those characters revived on, on screen 
and wanted the story to continue, but the ending is just so epic with Freebird and the shootout. It's one of the best endings of any movie ever, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, do you toy with that? Do you play with that? Do you dive back into there? Do you try to rehash what you've done? Uh, and ultimately, the the answer was uh, yes, because these characters were so beloved of, you know, Otis Driftwood and Baby and Captain Spaulding. Uh, they were just so beloved that people wanted more of them. So uh, ultimately, you know, we get it. We get it with Three from Hell and Three from Hell coming out 14 years after Devil's Rejects. And uh, I know there was some issues with this. Obviously, uh, once I had seen the film, went and saw opening night or the, you know, the one night or the one of two nights. I went the second night of like a three night fathom event. Which I think is cool for limited movies. Um, went and saw the Jane Silent Bob reboot actually with a Fathom event, and uh, you know, like one night, like they for Three from Hell, they you got like uh, you got a poster, and then one night you got a double feature with Devil's Rejects and Three from Hell, and then another night you got like a special like behind the scenes look before the film or after the film. Uh, so each night, no matter what night you, you went, you got something cool as a bonus. Um, and I went the night that we got the posters. The posters are really cool. Uh, you know, little 11 by 17s, but they were printed on nice paper. So uh, Fathom or wh- whoever was in charge of that made sure it was like a, they, they, they did it justice. So it was worth the $15 for the ticket. But, um, but yeah, and seeing it and immediately, this is before... Now, we all knew Sid Haig was sick. He was, you know, I think before the event came out, before the movie came out, Sid Haig had fallen ill. Um, So much so that, you know, his wife was on his Instagram account uh, saying, you know, we need your thoughts and prayers and Sid's in a bad place and blah, 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 blah. Uh, And that happened, I think, before. And then we saw the, I saw the movie and his role was super spoiler alerts spoiler alerts please um if you haven't seen it stop listening to this go watch it and then you can come back to this but uh he uh you know his role was super limited and when it was all said and done i was satisfied but i was also like oh wow that sucks that his role was so limited uh fast forward the day later um rob zombie does an interview uh, does a couple interviews on podcasts and reveals that, and I, I believe he talked to maybe Bloody Disgusting and said that uh, Sid Haig had been ill for some time. Like when they first met up uh, like two or three years ago to talk about doing this, he was in good health. And then when time came around to start filming it, he just wasn't up for it. His body, you know, he's in, in his 80s. Uh, he'd obviously fallen into some, some health issues and, uh, he wasn't able to, to shoot the way he was. And I know that his physical, he couldn't have passed like a physical. So he, he only worked one day on the film. Uh, so it was good. And thank God they got him, you know, in for just the, the little bit that he was in there because you couldn't have done that film without one last final hurrah from Captain Spaulding. But, uh, you know, immediately I was like, oh, wow, he had been ill for a while then. And that was the reasoning behind his uh, such a limited role. But then Richard Brake, you know, coming in as like the third person um, and taking, you know, sort of taking the reins from a Captain Spaulding. Uh, the f- 
the film really did uh, deliver in a way that I, that satisfied me completely honest. Which the, the more that I think about it is so hard to do because they had been so away from those characters and, and the audience had been away from those characters for so long. Um, to come in and, and continue a story and have it be, uh, you know, satisfying is hard to do. Uh, and it, it definitely, you know, House of Thousand Corpses, uh, Devil's Rejects, and Three from Hell have completely different feels. All three of them. Even Three from Hell is completely different and has a completely different feel than Devil's Rejects did. Um, and it's so much fun. Uh, and I can't really recommend, uh, that people watch it, uh, enough. And, uh, Bill Mosley is going down as one of the greatest of all time. Uh, he's so underrated in everything he does. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so it, it's, you know, those characters are timeless. You know, as I sit here in my, uh, headquarters here, AKA, my uh, my uh, modest uh, apartment, uh, you know, behind me is a Sid Haig autograph of the House of Thousand Corpses, uh, you know, Canadian DVD release uh, poster art, um, and you know he's he lives on. Uh, Sid Haig lives on, you know, uh, his signature, my moment meeting him, the movies that he has or that he has made that I have. You know, Spider Baby, uh, House of Thousand Corpses, even, you know, it's just, uh, it's, uh, you know, what a, to be able to live that long and make the kind of mark that he did and do what he did for as long as he did, it's really, uh, it puts things into perspective for you and it makes you feel, as, as much as it's unfortunate that he is gone, uh, it makes you feel good that his life was, uh, wasn't wasted. It was, uh, you know, he did it. He did a lot of things that a lot of people won't ever do, and he lived a he lived a full life. So you got to be thankful for that. R.I.P. to Sid Haig, and uh, and yeah. So uh, moving on. So Scream Factory, Scream Factory. If you're not familiar, I'm sure you all are. It's an offshoot of Scream or of Shout Factory. Now they release like uh, you know limited and uh, not so limited releases uh, of. Some newer films, but mainly older titles. Um, and what's cool is they'll they'll deck it out with as many special features as they possibly can. Interviews, uh, set locations, uh, you know, Q and A panels from conventions, whatever stuff they can get into it. And there's a lot of effort put into that, and that has never been lost on me as someone who collects these and buys them and has a lot of Scream Factory releases. Um, so something cool that they've always done was they commission someone for uh, new artwork. So uh, on the slipcover, we'll have the new artwork. And then the actual cover art on the Blu-ray it has the new artwork too. But you could also flip it and have the original theatrical artwork on that artwork too. So then you have the original artwork on your DVD and your slipcover as a new artwork. And that's what I always do. I think that's cool. It's, it's really cool. Now, I wish that they put the theatrical artwork on the slipcover and then just had the the regular old artwork on or their new artwork on um, the actual Blu-ray. And so I wish the slipcover was the theatrical, um, the theatrical original theatrical art. I think that would be cooler. But regardless, I'm grateful for what we get. Uh, and some of their newer alternative artwork is amazing. Like They Live was amazing. 
Uh, the Day of the Dead one was amazing. From Beyond was amazing. Uh, so many of them are awesome and so fun. And Trick or Treat was amazing. Like all these, all these, all the new artwork is always awesome. But they released one. I think it is by far their weakest one. And like I said, it's never lost on me how much effort goes into these and commission paying artists to commission them for new artwork and funding all the the time and the effort that comes into to making all the extras happen and the licensing and what have you uh, it's never lost on me and it's always appreciated i mean i appreciate it because i spend the 30 dollars on the movies when they come out but as a consumer there of their products and as someone who's a fan of the film that they're putting out which I think's got pushed back to February now, but it's Pet Cemetery 2. Not based on anything Stephen King, or, or on a book a book from Stephen King. It was a sequel to the movie, the 89 film, uh, which was also directed by Mary Lambert. She directed this sequel, too. Uh, it's an underrated film. A lot of people shit on it because it's not the original movie. The original movie's so beloved and has such a, such a fan base, but the... Uh, Pet Cemetery 2, coming out in 1992, we did an episode on it uh, for the little anniversary. You know, this Terrorvision company has put out, like, a vinyl. Uh, La La Land Records put out a CD of all this. The original score, Mark Governor, uh came and, you know, remastered or, or what have you. He signed copies of the CD for LaLaLandRecords.com. Uh, this Terrorvision uh, company put out uh, limited cassettes and some vinyl. Still need to pick up the vinyl. Um, I do have the CD signed with a signed booklet from Marco Manure, so that's awesome. Like I said, we covered uh, this episode of Pet Cemetery uh, two as well uh, in an episode, just kind of uh, little overview and and talked about how much I love the film. But uh, so I was so there still hasn't been a Blu-ray release for it, at least not an, an official one. And Scream Factory announced that they're doing Pet Cemetery 2. I was like, oh, my fucking God. We're going to get an interview with Clancy Brown. Hopefully, you know, we're going to get some Eddie Furlong special features, an interview with him possibly. Uh, and I was just so, like, so pumped because uh, it's a movie I would love to see all that extra stuff for. Uh, so I was immediately, I was, like, immediately on board. I'm going to pre-order. I'm going to buy it 100%. And I, I was checking their stuff every day to see when they were going to post that. Because they'll post, like, when they get all the features, uh, what features are going to appear on them. They'll announce them. They'll post it. And same with the artwork. Once the artwork's done, it's commissioned, they'll post the artwork. Uh, and it kind of, you know, people be like, oh, that artwork's so sick. I definitely got to get it now. Or, oh, those special features are so sick. I definitely got to get it now. Now, I'll preface this by saying I'm 100% still going to get this. I wanted to make sure I preface that. I'm definitely going to get this. But the alternative artwork, the new artwork, is atrocious. It's terrible. And I'm sorry if that offends anyone. Like I said, I appreciate all the time and the money and the effort that goes into making these things happen. But the artwork is bad. It's really bad. Zowie, the dog in the film, I understand he comes back from the dead. He looks evil. He looks possessed. He looks, you know, demonic. But he does not look like a werewolf. This honestly looks like it is a werewolf film. It, 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 I don't know what the artist was thinking. Uh, I can almost guarantee that the artist did not watch the film. He's never heard of the film. If he has, he's heard of it and never seen it. Um, or he thought that Zowie was an actual werewolf. Um, because it has every feature 
of a werewolf. Pointy ears, uh, crazed mange. And when I say crazed mange, I mean literally like a, a fur all around his head as if in a werewolf type thing. Uh, fangs on the bottom and top that are clearly bigger. And he looks so werewolfic, if that's a word it is now, um, that it's just it's painful to see. Like I said, I'm still going to own it because I love it and I support the company and I, I bought in everything and I've, you know, spent the last of my weekly money before my next paycheck to, to get this. You know, it's it's happened. You know, it's the it's the life I live. I'm a collector and not a collector just to say I collect and own it. I watch it. I consume it. I rewatch. I talk about I on a podcast. I talk about it with friends, you know, about these releases. Um, so I feel like, uh, as much as I hate people who consider themselves entitled, I feel like I'm buying it. I'm supporting the product. I can critique it a little bit and, uh, they'll never respond obviously because they just don't respond to negativity, it, you know, probably for their own good. Um, but I mean, I was hoping, you know, I wasn't the only one. I was relieved to to see that many people shared my the same sentiments that I'm uh, that I'm spewing as well about this artwork because it the the background of it too it looks like he just looked at like some of the newer DVD artwork for the original film and then just threw you know werewolf on it and it just it just does not look good and it could have been so much better and you didn't even have to have Clancy Brown or Edward Furlong or anybody on it you could have done a million different things. Uh, and you could have done Zowie so much better. It just could have been so much better. I mean, honestly, even if it was just like, uh, you know, artwork of the, I don't even, anything. It just, it just seemed like the worst case scenario for the artwork. And it just tore me up because I'm, I'm so looking forward to it still for the, for the actual content. Um, they had to actually talk about it and it, and it kind of sucks that, it kind of sucks that the artwork didn't pan out to something that uh, I approved of, but I'm a fucking nobody anyway, and they're still going to get my 30 bucks, so I, I know that they truly don't give a fuck anyway, so it is what it is, and I still love the company, and I still support them, and it's going to be awesome to, uh, it's going to be awesome to see the special features on it, and uh, it may be one of the few that uh, I'll probably throw the slipcover away or sell it on eBay like all these other assholes that fucking sell slipcovers for 30 goddamn dollars. Uh, and, you know, once they're one, after three months of the movie being out, they don't guarantee you a slipcover anymore. So if you really want a slipcover and you're really that guy, which I can be that guy, uh, you know, you got to be a you got to give into these fucking idiot pieces of shit that fucking buy two copies just to post a slipcover on fucking eBay because they're fucking communist pieces of shits. But anyway, moving on. Uh, Rick Baker. What a fucking legend. Uh, we've talked about Rick Baker a little bit. Um, just a complete and utter special effects legend that's done so much even outside of horror. Um, but regardless, he's just, uh, he's one of those guys that's iconic in, in the industry. And, um, so he released a book. I mean, I don't even know if you can even call it a book. It's, I feel like saying it's a book doesn't do it justification. Uh, it's called metamorphosis. Now it's, uh, it's so huge. Yeah. I, it's, it's like, uh, I don't even know how 
I mean, it's hardcover, obviously, but it's like a two-part book, uh, part one and two, and it just it's so thick. And I think it retailed for about two fifty, but you can actually get it on Amazon right now. It's a number one bestseller, and you can get it for one hundred and sixty-six dollars right now. And when I say it's fucking huge, it definitely looks like it's worth two fifty. So it's all day worth one sixty-six seventeen, which is what it is on Amazon right now. And it's a it's a two volume set, and it explores his entire you know four decade career as a special effects artist. Uh, I think the forewords by John Landis. Um, and I think Peter Jackson does like a little like a little uh, liner note or something in it, and obviously Rick Baker doing the introduction. But uh, it's a massive book spanning his entire career. Uh, you know, from being you know a child making uh, masks in his bedroom to you know working on the Grinch. You know, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey's makeup is the Grinch, which famously he talks about in a lot of interviews, but. They just wanted to paint Jim Carrey green, and Rick Baker forced them and said, "You know, if you're gonna, if I'm gonna do this, I'm doing real. I'm doing a full Grinch deal on Jim Carrey, and did the original like molds, I think, on himself or whatever. But uh, and that's like one of my favorite. The How the Grinch Stole Christmas 2000 is one of my favorites of all time. All not in any small part due to the fact that." You know, the makeup on Jim Carrey is so amazing, and he pulls the Grinch off so well because that art and that, uh, you know, spe- those special effects, makeup, uh, latex, whatever you want to call it, everything that is encompassing of Jim Carrey's The Grinch is so well done. And so it makes it so believable. It allows you to sp- suspend your disbelief for it. And it's just so, it, you know, it's 1600 color images and original sketches. It's just, uh, talk about. Talk about, like, uh, content, you know, even, you know, people may have forgotten he did Michael Jackson's Thriller as well, Uh, Harry and the Hendersons, Men in Black, like, he's just done insane, insane stuff, and it's just so, it's so awesome, and it's 18.12 pounds. So it's 18.12 pounds. It's is, you know, it's as tangible as you could as you could get. It is very, you know, you're you're buying it. You know, and it's not just like something digital you look at until your your files crash and you don't have it anymore. So this is definitely worth it all day. It's it says it's 736 pages. But over 1,600 uh, color photographs, which is insane. Uh, and a lot of them, I know he said, has, have never seen the light of day. And if you go look at the reviews, there's a lot of pictures in the book um, on Amazon. You could see the reviews, and they're just so fucking awesome. Uh, what a goddamn legend. And what a beautiful job uh, that was done on this book between him and whoever helped. Uh it's just it's just amazing and looks absolutely beautiful and what a career he's had um and you know he's all but retired now um and uh it's just i'm looking at the pictures right now and i'm just wowing myself and this is definitely something i i need to pick up i don't have to pick it up i need to pick this up um but yeah what a what a what an awesome thing for him to do uh and it's something that I hope will inspire people to want to continue doing that and not follow into suit because there's plenty of people doing it out there. Follow into 
doing all the effects digitally and going to digital, you know, computer classes and stuff like that. I would love to see the art of special effects practically practically done uh continue i would i would love for it to continue and i hope it does because if it ever dies you know it'd be a very sad day for the horror genre and uh, all of movies honestly but uh moving on to um to our music uh we got a, a couple things i want to discuss uh just because they're two bands that i love uh tremendously so uh Judas Priest announced, um, and they are for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame once again. Hopefully, uh, people are smart enough to vote them in because when you have Janet Jackson in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and you have NWA in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame but Judas Priest isn't, you've lost legitimacy tremendously. Um, And that's not the only reason. Uh, There's many of other reasons. But... Um, so Judas Priest announced that they're doing a 50th anniversary tour to celebrate 50 years of Judas Priest. I, I can't believe I'm even saying that. Like to say that Judas Priest has been around for 50 years is nothing short of uh, astonishing. So years ago, I believe almost 10 at this point, original guitarist KK Downing uh, left, you know, to retire, you know, to play golf and and not tour anymore, and. Uh, and yeah, so he when he left, they brought in Richie Faulkner, um, a younger uh, gunslinger and guitarist, and has just done a tremendous job. And I, I love all that I've heard him on. Thought the last record, Firepower, was really really solid and a lot of fun. And uh, and recently, Glenn Tipton, the other guitarist, has had to leave due to Parkinson's disease. Um, so then they brought in uh, producer uh, friend Andy Sneed to take over the uh, other guitar duties. So right now you have uh, a Judas Priest that is Glenn Tipton list and KK Downing list. And uh, with Glenn Tipton leaving, uh, KK had thrown out there that he was shocked that they didn't ask him to come back. And I think there is a little confusion there. They're like, okay, well, we're going to have KK come back to, what, play Glenn's parts? Uh, which I'm sure he could do, but at the, by the same token, maybe KK was trying to, like, get his foot back in the door because he wanted to rejoin and was hoping maybe he reclaimed his position that Richie Faulkner had taken, and then Richie could learn Glenn's parts. I'm sure, ideally, that's what KK would want. But uh, Ian Hill... And uh, Rob Halford, the the two remaining uh, members of the classic lineup have uh, have uh, declined uh, KK's uh, you know wanting to be involved with this 50th anniversary tour, and they have just snubbed it out and said nope, we're not doing that. Um, which kind of seems a little shocking, but I know how I've been in bands. Um, obviously, nowhere near as big as Judas Priest, but. I know what it's like when you don't want to work with someone anymore. And when you don't want to work with someone anymore, you do not want to work with someone anymore, uh, no matter the circumstance. So I know exactly how that goes. But at the same time, as a fan of Judas Priest, um, I would love to go see this 50th anniversary tour. And But knowing that the idea was floated out there that KK could rejoin and Glenn Tipton suffering from Parkinson's disease 
will have maybe show up at a, a gig or two, but probably won't be involved extensively at all. Um, you know, that sullies it for me. And do I really want to go see a 50th Judas Priest show with Andy Sneed and Richie Faulkner? Probably not. Nothing against those guys. Richie Faulkner's been great. Andy Sneed's done a hell of a job stepping in to cover for Glenn Tipton. But, you know, do I want to see a 50th anniversary without Glenn Tipton and K.K. Downing? Obviously, Glenn cannot do it due to physical restraints from Parkinson's disease. But the fact that K.K. could do it, um, is offered to do it, wants to do it, and... Rob and Ian do not want him to do it. That's kind of like, ugh, do I really want to spend all that money to go see that 15th anniversary if KK is not going to be there? And it gets muddy. It gets into muddy waters because people will still go. Will I go? I really don't know. I would love to see KK on there. I mean, I would love to see KK and Glenn. I would love for them to to be able to both do it and and even you know end it on this 50th uh, anniversary tour, but. I think they're going to continue to go, and, and because they have the younger, uh, some younger-ish guys, and when I say younger-ish, you know, they're in their 40s, and I think Sneed's in his 50s, um, you know, keeping the band young and, and keeping, you know, keeping it trucking when, when Glenn obviously physically can't, and KK could, but uh, they don't want him back, it's, you're getting into dangerous waters, so, uh, Regardless, I hope they get inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. I think in the next few weeks they're going to announce the inductees. Would love, would love, love, love for them to get inducted, and I think that could possibly spark some rekindling of some, some uh, issues and some ill will between KK and uh, Hill and Halford. So. I, I can only hope for the best because I love Judas Priest. Love Iron Maiden, but I've always been a little more of a Judas Priest guy for sure. Um, so I hope everything works out uh, accordingly. And the best to Glenn Tipton, uh, one of the greats, obviously, suffering from terrible, terrible disease right now. Um, so on the heels uh, of uh, all that and a lot of metal news and classic metal news, there's another metal slash hard rock whatever you want to call them i know people take issue with me calling motley crew a heavy metal band uh but anybody who graces a pentagram on the front of their album and the album's called shout at the devil and you sing about chicks and and getting fucked up and you sing about partying and strip clubs and motorcycles you're you're rock and roll band all day every day but there's a little bit of heavy metal in there too uh there's no denying it even though i think Slayer is probably the ultimate metal band. Um, people would say, no, they're a thrash metal band. Well, of course they're a thrash metal band. They are the best thrash metal band of all time. Um, but regardless, uh, Motley Crue in 2015, uh, I believe in 2013, or no, 2014, signing contracts with their blood, making a blood pack that they will never tour again. And they had this big, huge you know, end of the, the end of the, no, end of the roads kiss. Sorry. Kiss is doing their quote-unquote farewell to her right now but uh you know it's um it is it was billed as the last uh, all good things all bad things must come to an end or, or whatever all good things must come to an end whatever they build the tour as the last Motley Crue tour ever ending on you know New Year's Eve 2015 it was going to be the end the kick the caboodle everything was all over and they were to never do anything again well as we know reunion uh, tours are bound to happen and final tours, last tours, they're always, I mean, which is kind of prophetic that we're talking about it right now because Slayer celebrated their last show, quote unquote, 
Um, even though I don't think they ever said it was going to be their last show, it was going to be their last show of the last tour. They were never going to tour again. Um, and we're going to talk about Slayer, uh, cause Slayer is just one of my favorite bands of all time and they're legendary. We're not going to dive into it now because I can't talk about Slayer without my good friend, Eric Tyler. Um, but regardless, uh, so they signed these contracts. I don't know who the contracts were themselves. Who knows? Uh, but they signed these contracts. We will never reform as Motley Crue. We will never tour again. Blah, 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 blah. Well, you see in 2019 in March, Netflix dropped Motley Crue's the dirt. The, there was a book that came out called the dirt that told all the crazy, dirty stories of, uh, pun intended, um, of Motley Crue, all the, the risque, the debauchery, uh, everything about Motley Crue was in that book. So they had talked about it for years. They get a movie made with Netflix. The dirt comes out. All of a sudden, there's a huge resurgence of interest in Motley Crue. Uh, because they have so many memorable songs, you know, Vince Neil was still touring. Um, I actually saw him in August because I was just like, eh. Never going to see Motley Crue again. Might as well go see Vince Neil. Um, and it was free at the state fair. And I think he got paid handsomely because they always do at the state fairs. But regardless, um, I mean, it's Vince Neil. He was never, I mean, he's he's always had a cool vocal styling that I've always liked. But he's never been like, you know, like this extraordinary singer. He was a front guy. He was a front man. Um, and that was his, you know, thing. He was, you know, he, you know, it wasn't like... Uh, he wasn't Axel singing like, uh, you know, live and let die with these big, uh, you know, this big operatic like, uh, delivery in Axel's like twang or anything like that. Um, he was a very much a, a front, a good, you know, they even explained in the movie and they've talked about in the book, you know, he was a good looking front. He was a good looking guy that could kind of carry a tune a little bit. So that's what they got. Um, now he's been a great frontman for them, uh, and he, he is a great frontman. But he, he, you know, his his vocals were never something to write home about. Um, memorable, awesome, but he was never going to win an award for the best vocalist ever, ever. Um, so uh, with the movie coming out, the Dirt movie coming out, obviously there's a lot of renewed interest in the band and everything that they've done. Um, so I think the wheels just got turning and they're like, yeah, we could probably cash in. And right now I don't think it's been officially announced, but they're talking about this poison opening for Def Leppard and Motley Crue, uh, summer tour. Uh, and the rumors got so high, you know, it reached a fever pitch that Motley Crue came out and said, we've destroyed our contracts. We've blown them up, had a video about it and we are reuniting and we will tour. So then here, here lies the debate of all the people that paid for to see the last Motley Crue tour or the last show, even, um, you know, paying all that money in inflated prices to see the last tour, the last show. Um, you know, it sucks, but you can't, you can't believe it. I mean, shame on you for thinking it was the end. Uh, cause it's never the end. The only people, the only band you could say that is completely 100% done, Besides, like, the Beatles right now, there's, like, Motorhead and a couple other, you know, the members are all gone. The integral members are all dead. And even there, you can't write it off. Even though I don't think everyone respects Motorhead that was involved with it enough that they won't, they'll never be, Motorhead will never be reignited, thankfully. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, 
you can't believe it. And the people that paid thousands of dollars for these meet and greets and got like a fist bump and then it was the end of it and it was going to be the last, oh, I met Nikki Six and, and Vince Neil on the last tour or at the last show and I paid for the VIP and everything it was supposed to be the last one and now they're back together. Fuck them. If you're a fan of the music, you're still going to go to the reunion tour. It's just going to happen. Um, and that's kind of my thoughts on it. Um, people shouldn't, People shouldn't be pissed. They're still out there playing music, even if it's not as good as it was in the 80s. A lot of people that are going to see it weren't around in the 80s to see it anyway, so it doesn't matter. The music needs to still be played. It still has to be heard. That's what I think was so tragic about like bands like Pantera once they broke up. That music wasn't played for so long because you know people couldn't get couldn't get along and then you know obviously Dimebag get being murdered and then you you're just never gonna hear it played the the same way again but guess what when Phil Anselmo plays those Pantera sets now people love it because they can go back they can relive it those songs are timeless the songs are what everybody comes to the shows for most everybody comes to the shows for those songs no matter who's playing them they're memorable you've sold I mean that's what people are there for it's the bottom line and uh do I think it, it sucks to the people that paid that money? Yeah, but you you got it's your own fault. Come on, it wasn't going to be the last tour. It wasn't going to be the last show. So go to the next one and enjoy that one and buy cheaper tickets this time because, you know, until they're all dead, you know, there'll never be another, you know, that's when you can say there'll never be another Motley Crue show. But, I mean, Kiss is saying once they're, they're over, they want to hire new people to take on the personas and keep touring as Kiss. So, will that sell? Probably not, but regardless um but yeah thanks for uh thanks for tuning in to this episode uh we're gonna be back uh very soon uh this week you know in a week or so uh dropping next weekend it's dropping on sunday it was supposed to drop on friday on black friday sorry about that sorry about the delay but as these things go it happens um but you can find us on instagram at heart god media on twitter heart god media um you can rate and review on iTunes. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. We are on. You can search us out. Please let us know that you're listening. And when I say us, I mean me. Uh, just let me know that you're out there, man. Come knock on the door. I'll open up. The water's fine. Uh, that was my best uh, impression of uh, Matthew McConaughey. I feel like he would said something like that. But at this point... Simply rambling because I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to be podcasting again for uh, the Heart Guide Media podcast. It's so much fun uh, doing this and talking music and movies and horror and, and this and that and the other thing. It's so much fun. Um, I'm sorry it was just me today, but as I've said before, it's so hard to find people, uh, for people to find time to, to come and be on this. So I got a gunsling alone. So hopefully, if you hear this, if you want to debate, shoot me a dm slide in the dms we'll talk about it on the podcast we'll debate on the podcast you want to be on it's an open forum it might as well be a radio show you can call in man call in but yeah this has been uh, the heart guide media podcast i am your host jesse hs thank you for tuning in as i said like rate review subscribe on itunes and you can find us on stitcher soundcloud all that shit that i said uh spotify as i know there's a lot of uh, androiders out there still <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And the Heart Guided Media Podcast is fucking back. Give me one more chance to save me 
from myself before I can't stop breaking down Lately I've been choking on my world so broken Cause I can't quite get it Will I always be?